I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. In John 16, 12, Jesus stated, there is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Well, today I'm excited to have Erica Wiggenhorn with me as we have a conversation around Acts 7 and what the Lord is teaching her. Erica is the founder of Every Life Ministries, and she is the author of both Bible studies and books. Her most recent Bible study is called An Unexpected Revival, and it is a study on the book of Ezekiel. And she's also the author of Letting God Be Enough, which focuses on the life of Moses. And one of the reasons I'm super excited to have her help kick off our series on the life of Moses. So welcome, Erica. So delighted that you have made space for us. Hey, Jody. It's so great to be here. Well, you know, I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about who you are. So I came to know the Lord a little later in life. Uh, I was a teenager. And when I put my faith and trust in Jesus and got baptized, my youth pastor, it was in high school, my youth pastor handed me my very first study Bible, had all of Jesus's words and red letters. And he said, Erica, if you're going to follow Jesus, you need to spend some time reading this book every day and you need to have a quiet time. And I was like, okay. So I took the book home and I opened it up and I started reading all of Jesus's red lettered words. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, um, I don't know what a mustard seed is or a plowshare or a wheat tear or a yoke. <laughs> um, I don't know what he means when he says the eye is the lamp of the body. Uh, you know, he was talking about all of these things that I couldn't even visualize them in my mind. I had absolutely no context for them. And I remember sitting there on my bed and saying to Jesus, how am I supposed to follow you when I can't even understand you? Uh, and that really described my Bible reading experience for a lot of years of my life. Um, and it wasn't until I finally was like, okay, somebody forgot to give me the secret decoder ring to, <laughs> to uncover scripture. I need to figure this out because I wasn't reading my Bible and I felt guilty about it. If I did read it, I couldn't understand it. And then I felt ashamed. Once I made that my quest to begin to really understand scripture, I talked to my pastor, I got some additional study resources, I kind of felt like I was finally handed that secret decoder ring. <laughs> and scripture started to come alive to me. What I realized is I'm not the only one who feels this way. Mm -hmm. A lot of Christians out there feel this way. Mm -hmm. What if I could create a tool to put in their hands that didn't require hours and hours and hours of study like I had done, but something very simple, much that they could open right, right next to their Bible 
uh, sort of like a good friend, uh, you know, sidling up next to them with a cup of coffee and say, this is what that means. And this is why Jesus said that. And this is why it matters. And this is why it's important. And this is what it means for your life today. Um, What if I could be that friend to someone else and put a tool in their hand like that? Mm -hmm. And so I began to write Bible studies and teach teach the Bible and become that person in another person's life. And it's been the greatest joy of my life uh, to be able to do that. And so now, instead of just putting on my secret decoder ring and spending hours reading all of these books for my own self, I'm able to take everything that I'm learning um, and encourage and share it with others. So I love it. I love your heart for that. And I'm excited for us now to dive in and hear a little bit more even about where the Lord led you in this passage. So we're starting with an interesting place in Moses's journey. I chose to start in Acts chapter seven instead of Exodus chapters one and two. So let me give you a little setup for that. So this is part of a speech that Stephen uh, is giving. He's been arrested and he's been falsely accused of blasphemy. And in this speech, he gives this kind of sweeping overview of the story of God's people. And one of the things he does is he condenses the story of Moses, which is why I think this is a helpful passage for doing a meditation on. But the other thing, and I think more, even more importantly, is that he gives us a few more insights into Moses's story and even kind of what Moses was, his motivations were. So let me just read it to us real quick, and then we'll dive in. So this is Acts chapter seven, verses 20 through 25. At that time, Moses was born and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. So we did this as a meditation, really just asking the Lord to help us notice a word or phrase something in the passage. So Erica, let's start there. Tell me about where you went in this passage. I went in so many directions, Jody. Uh, I don't know that you know this about me, but the reason why I was so drawn to the life of Moses personally is because both of our children are adopted. And Moses is scripture's first mention of adoption. And first mentions are always important because they sort of point us to a bigger and greater reality. Obviously, that being uh, that as followers of Jesus, we are adopted into God's family. But that's why I first studied Moses. And what I love about this particular passage is really the, the very first three words at that time. 
at that time. And what Mm. we realize if we put this in the greater context is it's the time of the promise, the time that the promise made to Abraham Mm. was going to come to fruition, that the people that would be removed from the land of promise for 400 some years would come back and would settle there. But what I love about it is um, I think about that time at that time in the context of my own adoption of my own children, the time of the promise, because I felt very strongly that God had promised me that I would be a mother. And at that time, at the perfect time, God brought it to pass first with the adoption of our daughter and secondly with the adoption of our son. But in a greater context, what I think is so beautiful is that Stephen wants to make it so clear to us. And obviously, Luke, as the author of the book of Acts, wants to make so clear to us is that when God does something, is as purposeful as what God does. The when is as important as the what. That's good. And so that brings me so much hope as a believer when I'm waiting on God to act, when I'm waiting on God to do something. And I certainly waited a long time to become a mother. I'll tell you that it was a, a 10 plus year process that I had to wait for that. And so There's something so beautiful about the fact that right from the beginning, as Stephen is talking about the promises of God being fulfilled, that the time for the promise to draw near, the time for the promise to be fulfilled is so specific in God's eternal timeline. And so while we wait, we can trust that God hasn't forgotten us. He's not, nobody's stopping him from doing what he promised. He has a purpose Mm. in the wait. So good. And that brings me a lot of comfort. Yes. Oh, I love that. That is where the Lord took you. And it's even making me think of the larger context of this whole um, speech that he gives. I guess it's a speech. It's not really a sermon because he's defending himself, but this whole speech or discourse that he gives is actually pointing to Jesus, that he's threading the whole of history together, showing that God fulfills the promise, the ultimate promise, which was Jesus. And so I love that you even picked up on that little thread with Moses and that this was the beginning of just yet another fulfillment of his promise to do things at the right time. Waiting is really hard. We all know that waiting is very, very difficult. I imagine every single one of us that is listening to this is waiting on something right now. Okay. Take another step in with that. Where where did you go next with him? Yeah. Well, the other thing that I, that I love about this is, uh, you know, in verse 22, when it talks about, um, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. And I remember the first time I came across that, I was like, wait, what? Is this a different Moses? Like, because this is not the Moses that we meet in Exodus, right, Jody? I mean, the Moses we meet in Exodus is like, 
you know, who am I and why are you picking me, God? And I can't speak. And can you please pick somebody else to do it? And hey, God, um, let me introduce yeah. you to my brother, Aaron. I don't know if you guys have met, but I think he might be a better candidate. You know, um, it's like you have these two dichotomous descriptions, but yet scripture makes it clear that they're the same person. And so you kind of go, you kind of scratch your head for a minute and you go, well, what, what's going on? Um, whose description is more accurate, right? Um, and I don't know about you in your personal life, but what I can tell you about myself in my personal life is I see myself a whole lot more like the Moses in Exodus than like this Moses in Acts. I don't look in the mirror and I go, oh, hi, good morning, Erica, powerful in speech and action, right? I am the person that's like saying, but God, are you sure? Like, are you sure I'm the person to do this? Like, I, I think there's other people. Have you met my friend Jody? She's like a way better Bible teacher than I am. Are you sure you don't want her to do this? Um, I am that person, right? Um, and and I'm pretty yeah. sure there have been times when God has his anger has burned against me the way it burned against Moses. And he said, you know, who made man's mouth? I'm sending you stop questioning my call on your life. And so I love mm -hmm. the fact here that we see that we have a man named Moses who was powerful in speech and action. And yet he struggled with self-doubt. He struggled yeah. with, but yes. God, I think you might've made a mistake on this one. Um, that brings me comfort. And that brings me hope because mm -hmm. if a man like Moses, who could do mighty miracles and confront mighty Pharaoh and lead 2 million people through the, through the wilderness and, you know, uh, watch God perform miracles and believe in faith that God was going to do mighty things. If a man like that still struggled with like thinking God, maybe God made a mistake in choosing him for an assignment, or maybe, um, you know, he, he's looking in the mirror and he's going, I, I don't have what it takes for this. Then maybe all of my self-doubt and my fumbling uh, God can still use me too, and he can still work through me too. And so I loved that. It brought me a lot of comfort um, knowing that the way Moses saw himself and the way God saw Moses were two very different things. Yeah. And what a testimony to us, because I think we are, the word that kept coming to mind is disconnected. They were disconnected from each other. Who Moses really was and the image of who he thought he was, were those were at odds with each other. They were not the same. And the way God sees us and the way we see ourselves are also disconnected. God looks on us and, oh my gosh, if we could catch a glimpse, I think we'd be blown away. I, I, I think we'd probably be stunned into silence if we could actually see how God sees us. Because what we see, we put all the faults out there first and we see all the ways that we will fail and we have all of our insecurity. We lead with the, all of those insecurities and deficiencies. That's what we know deeply and intimately. And God is saying, no, that is not who I made you to be. That is not the calling I have on your life. And that's a beautiful example right there of the disconnect 
that Moses experienced. And if Moses experienced it, how much more do we experience it? So oh, that's so good. Okay. Where else did you go in the passage and how did the Lord use that in your life? Yeah. So the other thing that, uh, that just really sort of stood out to me, well, with the adoption piece, he, you know, he, it says that he, when he was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. And I see this thing in Moses that it's like, he knows he's not an Egyptian, right? There's a piece of him, even though he has spent his entire life being raised in the Egyptian court, going to Egyptian schools, right? There's still this piece of Moses that knows deep down, though, I'm not really actually an Egyptian. I'm actually an Israelite. And that sort of gave me pause for a moment, Jody, because, you know, scripture over and over talks about how, you know, we're not of this world and our citizenship is in heaven and the world will uh, reject us because we are followers of Jesus. And just like it rejected Christ, so it will reject us. And I think a lot of times as Christians, we can get this a little mistaken. And we tell ourselves that, you know, we've got to be like the world. So the world will give us a chance to share who Jesus is. We've got to align ourselves with the world just enough so that they will welcome us. And then we'll be able to share Jesus. And, and it's not that that's anti-scriptural because Paul also talks about, you know, I've become all things to all men that I might save some, but I think we need to pause for a moment and ask ourselves, who do we most closely identify with? It's good. And is there that little rub, that little in that little, um, itchy, that little fussiness inside of us that continues to remind us, no, you're not of earth. Mm -hmm. You are a child of God. You are seated in the heavens now. You, your feet tread upon this dusty planet, but you are otherworldly. And this is not your ultimate home. And this is not your ultimate family, right? The family of God, we're seated together in the heavens. And and that gives me pause because a lot of times, especially now, gosh, I mean, you can go to work, you can go to school, um, you could even go into certain churches and you can literally feel like an alien in a foreign land. Mm-hmm. And it can mm-hmm. be disheartening. But when we pause and we take a look here, we say to ourselves, no, that that's how it should feel. That's yeah. how it should feel. We should be like, you know what? I'm here. I'm in Pharaoh's court, but I'm not really an mm-hmm. Egyptian. I'm a child of God. And that's a good reminder. But I also loved uh, when it we get to verse 25 and it says, Moses thought. Moses thought, but he thought wrong. That's right. <laughs> he thought yes, wrong. He did. <laughs> and, and how often do I think, right? 
I think I need to do this, or I think I'm responsible for that, or I think if I'm a good Christian, I need to do such and such and such and such. I think, but I don't, but I don't. And it wasn't that Moses thought, oh, I'll go rebel against God and commit a terrible, grievous sin. That wasn't what Moses thought. Moses thought he was going to do something that honored God and loved on his people. That's what Moses thought. But crash and burn, right? That's right. And how many times have I thought I need to do all these things? And then I stretch myself totally thin. I have a good heart behind it. That's right. And I crash and burn because it's not what God was calling me to do. Yeah. Or maybe like Moses. Yeah. God is calling you to do this, Moses, but we got two problems here. One, you're trying to do it in your own strength. That's right. And you're trying to do it on your own timeline. Yep. So that really stuck out to me, especially as I think and pray about new seasons of ministry uh, studies I want to write, studies I want to host, things I want to do, uh, maybe a particular demographic I feel called to. And it's like, okay, I, I think, but am I really giving myself pause to pray yeah. and, and receive that confirmation from God? Or am I just running ahead in my own strength? Yeah. I really love that you pointed out that Moses seemed to have a premonition that God was going to use him to rescue the people, but he ran far out in front of God. It was not time. In fact, it took 40 more years for it to be time. Hopefully he won't make us wait 40 years. That feels like a long time for some of those little dreams that feel God planted into our hearts. But I do think that even those good dreams, when we, when we go, oh, okay, thanks God. Now you can sit over here. I'll take care of the rest. We are, we're going to crash and burn because we can't do his work in our strength. It's just, it won't happen and it, and it won't be fruitful. I mean, Jesus tells us where's fruit when we abide, when we, when we stay so closely tied to him, that's where the fruitfulness comes from. That's also where the fullness of life comes from. It's also where the restful, holy pace of life comes from, uh, not this hustle and burnout and taking on more than we actually can or should do comes from because God is very aware of our limitations as humans. He's the one who created us. So he knows how many hours a day we have, how many of those we need to sleep, how many of those we just need to not be using our brain. He knows all of that. So um, yeah, I think that's so, so insightful. Okay. So I, I want to, you kind of have given us little nuggets along the way about how he was using this passage in your life. Is there something specifically that you feel like God was really calling you to maybe move into differently or just some sort of way that the spirit was really speaking to you very personally through this passage? Yeah. So I'll, I'll be a little vulnerable here, Jody. <laughs> um, as a writer, as a speaker, right, I have opportunities to go to different places and share with different audiences. And one of the things that God has really been laying on my heart is 
how are you reaching your own community with the message of Jesus? Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, Good. you know, three days ago I was in Michigan and three weeks before that I was in the state of Washington. Right. And, you know, next month I'll be in uh, Maryland and I'll be in Virginia, you know, but, but God has really just been putting that, that fussiness in my soul. Right that I talked about of how, but how, Erica, how are you reaching your own community? How are you reaching your next door neighbors? How are you reaching the people around you with the message of my son? And so I've really been praying to God about what that looks like and how do we do that? Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that I really felt God saying, saying to me is, you know, for years you have, put together these events, you have opened your church doors and you've said to your community, Hey, we've created a really great event. The doors are open. Y'all need to come. And I sent Jesus say to me, but I told you to go. And so I began to wrestle with that with that before the Lord, like, well, what does that mean exactly? Like, I, I I need a vision. I need to understand what it means. And God gave me this vision. He gave me this idea to put together an event at our local community center. So I live in Arizona. We have a lot of retirees here. And I am going to step out and I'm going to host my very first event, Jody, and we're calling it a grand affair, and it's going to be on Grandparents Day, and we're inviting grandmothers and to bring their granddaughters and their daughters as well if they want, and we're going to do an activity together. We're going to invite the grandmothers to share a memory or speak uh some sort of a legacy over their granddaughters and we're going to, you know, take pictures and we're going to essentially share the gospel uh, through the activity and really invite people who may have friends or neighbors that don't go to church, don't want to go to church, have no interest in a church, but they would come and bring their granddaughter to something for grandparents day. And this is a big step for me. I signed a big contract and I've never done an event from start to finish by myself. Um, So I'm really taking a leap of faith in a lot of ways, but I sense this is what the go looks like for me. Mm. And so I'm excited, but also terrified at the same time. And, um, yeah, we'll see what God's going to do. I love it. Well, there's so many, that's, it's a beautiful vision and it does feel like the Lord has laid that on your heart. And so, um, I would ask that everyone join me in praying for you as you do that. I kept thinking, uh, of the crossing of the Red Sea, which we're going to cover in a couple of weeks, but you know, when the people stood before the Red Sea, there, there was not a way before the way opened in front of them. And I can only imagine how scary it was to take the first step. Is the water going to crash over us? What's going to happen? They've never seen anything like this before. And so I think anytime we take those steps into unknown territory, 
It does. It makes your heart rate raise. Your blood pressure probably goes up all the things. Um, because, but it's such a beautiful place to be because it's a place of dependence. It's a place of trust. It's a place of really looking to God to do what only he can do, because that is beyond your ability to gather grandparents and their, and their granddaughters. And, um, well, I'm so excited to hear. I cannot wait to hear what happens with all of that. So I'm assuming that you'll post things. What, how are you going to, how are you going to share with us, Erica, how all this works out? I don't know. I guess I'll have to email you and you'll have to share and tell people what happened. But I'm praying that, you know, some grandmothers that live in these retirement communities will invite some of their friends, uh, their neighbors who are not involved in a church. And these little girls that come will hear directly from the words of scripture. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by a Mm. loving heavenly father who knows every one of your days and knit you together on purpose for a purpose and you matter and God has an incredible future for you and you are a beautiful girl and God designed you to be a girl to grow into a beautiful woman to to impact the world in a beautiful way and to know this father that made you um, That is a message our young women need to hear. So beautiful. And I think that's a message that every one of us needs to hear, (laughs) not just those little girls, but especially those little girls with the very tender hearts who are receiving so many conflicting messages. So um, yes, well, we will need to get some sort of update. I don't know how we'll do that, but we'll figure it out. Well, um, Erica, I'm so sad. We are at the end of our time together. I would love for you to let us know where can we find you? How can, gosh, if we live in the Phoenix area, how can we get connected with you? Especially if we know someone that needs to come to some kind of event like this. So just give us some of the details there. Yeah. Or if you, Hey, if you're in Texas and you want to do an event like this, I would love to connect with you. Let's figure out how to make it happen. Um, you can connect with me on my website at ericawigginhorn.com. Um, you can also connect with me on Instagram. I'm there several times a week. Uh, and that's just my name at Erica Wigginhorn. But I would love to stay uh, connected with, with anyone out there. So, Well, I'll put all of that in the show notes. Yeah. Well, Erica, thank you so much. And if you guys are wanting to just even go deeper in the life of Moses, make sure you grab her book. That's also on her website, uh, links to Amazon and all of that. And I'll put some in the show notes as well. Letting God be enough. Amen. Well, thank you, Erica, for encouraging me and all of us through this passage. The Lord revealed so much to you. And I, I love how you just brought it to life for us. So thanks for doing that for us. Well, friends, thanks for joining Erica and I on So Much More, where we really do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us, and we are creating space to listen. I'm 
Dr. Lauren DeVille, a practicing naturopathic physician in Tucson, Arizona. In my podcast, Christian Natural Health, my guests and I discuss topics ranging from nutrition, sleep, hormone balancing, and exercise to specific health concerns like hair loss, anxiety, and hypothyroidism. I'll also interweave biblical principles as they apply throughout the podcast because true health is body, mind, and spirit. Listen to Christian Natural Health for free at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Mm -hmm.